Sometimes life requires us to have difficult conversations with people. And I have found myself often sitting down with somebody with, in my mind, the express purpose of having a difficult conversation with this person. And it's always a challenge to me to affirm the relationship with them while having a difficult conversation. Right? Because when somebody is hearing difficult things from you, their tendency is to feel like you are against them. And so to, to affirm for them your love for them and uh, that you are for them and that we are okay, I just need to bring up this topic and we need to talk about this thing that must be addressed that can sometimes be difficult. And it gets more difficult when you can't have that conversation face-to-face. If you have to have that conversation over the phone, it's even more difficult because they can't see your face and they can't see the way that you are uh, intending to communicate this. They can hear it, but they can't see it. And then it gets more difficult still if you're trying to do that in a text or an email or a letter and you're trying to uh, write to them and say, look, I really need to address this thing but but I love you and I want to affirm this relationship. And it gets more difficult still when you're trying to address this thing and you've been telling them, hey, I've been meaning to visit you and haven't for a while, but while we're waiting, I have to address this thing before I get there. And it gets more difficult still if I've never actually met that person. I just have to uh, write to them and address this issue for these people that I've never met, that I've told I'm going to come and meet you and intend to come soon. I just haven't made it there yet. And that's exactly what Paul is doing today. He's been writing this letter to the Romans that uh, has been addressing some really difficult things. This church that he's never been to Rome and visited this church yet. And now, and he's writing to them, and he's been telling them, I intend to come, I would love to come. And they're going, yes, but you haven't come. Do you really love us? Do you really care about us? And especially, having gone through chapters and chapters, I mean, we had an introduction at the beginning of Romans chapter 1, where Paul, uh, it was clearly a letter that Paul was writing to them, that he loves them. But then we started getting into some heavy theology, in like Romans 1, 16, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And then going all the way through chapter 11, there's a lot of theology and stuff in there. And then he starts drilling into the implications and the applications in 12 verse 1 through uh, chapter 14, about all of the the things that because of all of this theology, these are the ways they should be acting, but those are the ways they are actually acting. And so he's trying to drill into all of that. And now at the end of the letter, as we get toward the end of Romans 15, this is maybe the most letterly portion of this letter. Because for a while there, you know that year and a half that we were in that theology and application section, we almost forget that this is a letter from one person to another group of people. And we start to think of this as a theological treatise. But in fact, this was written by a man who heard about what's going on in this church and because he's been called by God to be an apostle to the Gentiles and he loves them, he's written them to say, I want to address these issues for you. 
And after having written all of those things in those previous chapters, he's going, I'd really have to reaffirm my love for you. And so if you'd turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 15, starting in verse 14, I'm just going to read this section. It's a rather lengthy section, but I, I want you to hear it in its totality, and then we'll try and move through it relatively quickly. Romans 15, verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, to the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while." At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing. They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He's, he's writing to them to um, affirm this relationship, having talked with them about this relationship between the Gentiles and the Jews who are now together in this church together, the Christian church together, and going, look, really, neither of you had it right before you became Christians. The Jews didn't have it right before they became Christians. The Gentiles didn't have it right before they became Christians. And now that you have become Christians together and are in the same church together, you need to live with one another. Understanding where each other is coming from, ex expecting and um, accepting the... Uh, cultural differences between you as they manifest themselves within this church, but overall being united together. Because you are Christians now together and Jesus has changed everything for you. 
If you were a Jew, He has set you free from the burden and expectations of the law so that you now have freedom in Christ. If you were a Gentile, He has now called you to be separate from the world, a holy people with God's people. And you are all in this under the grace of Christ because of the work of Jesus. And so now he says in verse 14 of Romans 15, I myself am satisfied about you, brothers. I myself am satisfied. I know, I know I wrote to you some really difficult things. I was really hard on you. But I want you to know, I'm satisfied with you. I'm I'm happy with what you're doing and who you are, and the report that I've heard about you. I do this with my kids, right? I come down hard on my kids. I'm really hard on my kids. Sorry, Tyler. I have high expectations. This, this, you didn't meet the expectations. This is what we expect around here. This is what it means to be a Tatama. This is what we expect you to do, and and you didn't meet expectations. But then to come alongside and go, okay, but I really love you. You're a really good kid. I know that I've been hard on you today. I know I've been challenging you and asking a lot of you, but I want you to know you've really been doing well. And I'm really happy that you are my son. That's what Paul is doing. I I want you to know, I've been really hard on you, but I want you to know too, I am satisfied with you. I'm satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. I, I know this about you. You love the Lord. You've been reading the Scriptures. You're able to encourage and support and challenge one another. You're full of goodness and filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. I love that. I just, guys, I just wanted to remind you about the stuff that you already knew. I read Romans and I'm going, I don't think they already knew this stuff. I'm reading through and... And what, what he does is he takes the scriptures and goes, remember this scripture? And you go, oh yeah, I remember that scripture. This is what this scripture means. Whoa! Whoa, that blows my mind the way that you put all that together. And if that's true, then this is the implication of that. I've been doing it all wrong! And Paul goes, I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just reminding you of the things you already know. Because you already knew those scriptures and you already knew those things. And really deep down you knew those implications. You just hadn't put it all together yet. It's a little bit like handing somebody a jigsaw puzzle that's been all taken apart. And going, you already had all the pieces. Well, yeah, but it wasn't put together yet. I don't feel like I had it all put together. You just handed it to me in a complete jigsaw puzzle and I saw it and went, wow, that's amazing. Yes, but you already had the jigsaw puzzle. Right, but it was in pieces. 
And that's what he's saying. He's going, I, I, just, I just put the pieces together for you. You already had them. You were already on the right track. You had, look, you already had the corners done. Most of the edges. You, you already had all that stuff. I just filled in some of the details so that you could understand this is how you are to live with one another. And I'm just, just reminding you of these, these things that you already knew. He's so encouraging. If you just earlier parts of Romans and you missed this part because, well, this is just the ha ha, how are you doing that? Right? The, just the names and send greetings and that kind of stuff. I'm, I intend to visit you, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that what we do with Romans often? Well, the really good stuff, that's in the middle. But the stuff at the end, that's just a, I intend to come to you and I've been over here, but I haven't come yet and blah, 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 blah. No, this is really important stuff. This is the stuff where Paul is encouraging them and, and connecting with them and saying, we're friends. I know I wrote really boldly. I know I wrote some really tough stuff, but, but we're still friends. I still respect you. You've got this. You're doing really well. I just wanted to help put together a couple of things for you so that you could see what was going on. On some points, I have written to you very boldly, but by way of reminder. Because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul, seeing his role like a priest who takes the offering from the people and presents it to God as holy. And he's saying, I'm, I'm acting as that priest who takes the offering and presents it to God as holy and sanctified. But my offering is not a sheep or a bull. My offering is you. My offering is the Gentiles. That I come and I spread the Gospel, the Word of Christ... And then I help you to understand that so that I might present you beautiful and sanctified to the Lord. You are my offering. I've been called by God to proclaim this message and I've heard about this church in Rome and I'm super excited about all that's happening there. And I, I've been hearing all these reports about all these great things that you're doing and how we have this church of Gentiles and Jews that are united and in one place together. And so I wrote to you by means of, of, of uh, wanting to encourage you and also to challenge you and help you to, to put this together so that you might be sanctified. So that you might be more beautiful. So that you might be more unified. So that your spiritual worship might be more pleasing to God. I have written to you for these reasons. So that you might be offered to God as a spiritual sacrifice. So that you might be offered to God as my worship. Isn't that beautiful? Look at how he just brings the gospel to them. And says, and now you. Now you are the offering. This is what I'm called by, by God to do. My ministry is to support new Gentile convert Christians. Because of the grace given me by God 
to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's my, that's my role here, is just to help you put the pieces together in this holiness puzzle so that you can understand the scriptures, be amazed by who God is, and then have the implications be worked out in your life. And won't that be beautiful in the church then? Then he moves on in verse 17. He says, In Christ Jesus then, I have, be, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. I, I'm, I'm proud of my work. I'm proud of my work. I'm so glad that this is what Jesus has called me to. In, In Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work because I've not ventured to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That's wonderful. It says, not not only is my mission to uh, help recently converted Gentile believers to understand what it means to believe in Jesus and to grow in their sanctification and holiness and understanding of the Gospel of God. Not only is that the case, but also to preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus in all of these places where it's never been yet. I, I want to go to places where, where um, the Word of Christ has never come. And, and I'm not going to boast in myself I'm to say that I've been amazing about this. It is the power of the Word of God through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just bringing it to places it's never been so that the Holy Spirit can do His thing. I think it's so wonderful to think of Paul in that, those terms because when I think of Paul, I think of Paul as being like super apostle. He was amazing. He went and said the right things. He went and did the right things. He went from place to place to plant new churches. Then he wrote letters to those churches. He helped them get established. And he's going, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just going to places that the gospel has never been before and allowing God to do work there by proclaiming the gospel. I'm not doing anything. There's nothing unique or special about me. Is that weird for you to think about for Paul? That Paul was not super crazy weird in his abilities, but rather... He was just trusting that this was what God had called him to and he was going to the next place and watching the gospel spread by being willing to talk about who Jesus was. So I won't venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by bringing the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed 
by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never un- heard will understand. Paul's like, I, I don't really like going places where the gospel has already been. I don't, I don't really want to go into uh, places where people have already been preaching the gospel. I want to be the first guy in. I don't resonate with that at all. I, I, I just don't. I, I, I want to be the second guy in. Sign me up for second guy in. Paul goes, first guy in, I'm just going to tell everybody about Jesus, and I don't know who's going to respond, but none of them have heard about him, and so I'm just going to tell them all, and somebody's going to respond. And I'm so excited to see who it is. Is it you? Is it you? Who is it? And I want to be right behind Paul and be like, all right, Paul, which one was it? Because I'm looking at all of them, and they are intimidating. And they don't look happy to hear this message. But as soon as they're happy to hear this message, then I want to tell it to them. Paul's like, well, I already told them. Great, I'll tell them again. But, but Paul's not that way. He wants to be the first guy in. In this community, he wants to come in and he wants to go, have you heard about Jesus? No, what's this Jesus? Oh, let me tell you. So that he's not building on somebody else's foundation, but he's the one that's laying the foundation. He, he's the one that, that's proclaiming it. And then he makes this quote, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And I was like, huh, I wonder where that quote's from. Is that like from Psalms or something? Not from Psalms. Is it, where is it from? Isaiah. It's from Isaiah. It's from Isaiah 52. In verse 13, in Isaiah 52, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For, what, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then for those of you who know Isaiah very well, or even just Isaiah 53 very well, you know that Isaiah 53 is that suffering servant passage. That passage that we're always reading at Good Friday time. Let me read you the Good Friday time one. There weren't quite enough people going, oh yeah. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And every time I read this at the uh, Good Friday time, and we're making references back to this passage from the book of Matthew or something, or I'm reading through Isaiah and I read this piece, then I'm thinking about Jesus. And I'm thinking about how um, that which they have not seen and that which they have not heard they will understand. And that that was Jesus' coming. Jesus came. They hadn't heard about this Messiah, this one who, who would redeem the world and forgive people of their sins and remove their sin from them when they believed in Him. They didn't know about those things. But then Jesus came and He fulfilled this with His death on the cross. And we see all of these pictures in Isaiah that portray and foreshadow all of the stuff that will happen in Matthew and the other Gospels. And we go, oh wow, when Jesus came, that was amazing. But what Paul is saying is, Yes, Jesus fulfilled that and now I am continuing to fulfill that by going to places where they've never heard the gospel so that I can tell them about who Jesus is and what he's done. Now I'm going and I'm telling people, I'm bringing Jesus' ministry to people who have never seen or heard so that they might receive and understand. So that they might believe that this is who Jesus is. This is what I've been called to. For that which has not been told them, they now see. And that which they have not heard, they now understand. In fact, he says in verse 22 of Romans 15, this is the reason why I've been so often hindered from coming to you. Have you ever felt like somebody was blowing you off? Hey, you want to get together? Yeah, I just can't right now. Yeah, I just don't have time right now. I, I, oh, I'd love to get together with you, but I just I have this other thing that's going on. Yeah, you always have a thing that's going on. Or you are in that position where you love them and you genuinely would like to get together with them, and they keep inviting you and you keep going, oh, I would love to, but I just can't. And you know they feel like you're blowing them off, but you genuinely just have these other things and you would love to go. And that's what Paul's saying is, look, guys, oh, man, I know it keeps sounding like I'm, I'm pushing you off and pushing you off and pushing you off, and I keep saying I'm going to come to Rome and I'm going to come to Rome, but I, I just haven't been able to. And the reason that I haven't been able to is you've already received the gospel. There's already a church there. I've been hindered in coming to you because you already have the gospel and I've been stuck with all these people who haven't heard the gospel before. I've had to preach it here before I could come to you. 
I've been hindered in coming for the sake of my mission, my ministry, to be the first guy in in proclaiming the gospel. And I'm sorry because I love you and I really do want to be encouraged by being with you and have you be encouraged by me being with you. But I can't do that because this is my key mission, to bring the gospel to places that it's never been before. This is the reason why I have been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul's going, but here's the good news. I've already preached it. Everybody around here, it's getting crowded. I mean, as far as Paul's concerned, it's getting crowded. With so many churches in this area and people who have heard the good news of Jesus that there's no space left for me to proclaim the gospel here. I'm not the first guy in anymore. Now there's all these guys here. And so, you know what though? I hear there's nobody in Spain and you're right on the way to Spain. So I can uh, mix a little business with pleasure and I can uh, stop by to see you on my way to Spain and it's going to work out perfectly. Because I've really, really have wanted to come and see you and encourage you. I just haven't been able to do that so far. This is the reason why I've been hindered, uh, so often hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So I'll, I'll come, I'll stay with you guys for a little while, and then I'll go on to Spain. But, but not quite yet still. Not quite. I have one more thing that I have to do before I can come. At present, however, he says in verse 25, I'm going to come bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. Paul says, so I've been with the Macedonians and the Achaeans, and um, I'm going to be headed out toward you. First I have to head back to Jerusalem, though, which I know doesn't seem like it's on the way, but these these people that I have been preaching the gospel to, where these new churches are, they, they have heard about the need in Jerusalem and the poor among the believers there, and they want to support and help. And so I'm going to be bringing their gift down to Jerusalem to uh, support the poor and the needy there. Which is just beautiful. That, that Paul sees this as, as being uh, not only part of his ministry to encourage those who are new in the faith, but that those who are new in the faith see that those who are in the church global have need and they want to contribute to those needs. Isn't that great? He's preaching the gospel to these Gentile believers who previously had never been a part of this community of faith. And now that they are, they're going, oh, well, so those are believers in Jerusalem too? Yeah, that's where the church started. Jesus was there and the the disciples started there and and the, the message has gone out from there. So we're like, we're Christians and they're Christians? Yeah. 
So we're all Christians together like one big church. Yup. So we should help them. That sounds great. Yeah. You, you should help them. Because we're all here together. Jews and Gentiles alike. We're, we're, we're all in the church now together. And so if we have needs, not only do we support those within the, the congregation that we find ourselves in and those that we like the best and that are most like us, but also those back in Jerusalem. In fact, Paul says, in fact, they, they kind of owe it to him. They kind of owe it to him. Because that's where it came from. That's where the good news came from. It came from Jerusalem. And it's made its way out here because the church from Jerusalem has been sending people with the good news, like me, out to these places to do this kind of ministry and make this kind of proclamation. The only reason they have the good news at all is because people like me have been sent from Jerusalem to bring it to them. And if they have received in this spiritual way, then the least that they can do is help out a little bit financially with some physical needs. I mean, really, comparatively, it's not that much. But it is a really good gesture. And I like what this is saying in this connection, how they are now a part of the community of Christ because they believe. For if Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. For those of you who um, are believers and have had somebody significantly help you come to Christ, somebody that walked alongside you and helped you to understand, this is what the gospel is. This is what it's like then if you think about their being in financial need or them having some kind of physical need, wouldn't you want to do everything you could to help them? That's what he's saying. If the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. They, they contribute and they help. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will then leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, what I really like about this is the way that Paul has sort of obligated them without it being obvious. In fact, you may have missed it in reading through this. You may have not seen what Paul has set up here. But let me back up real quick to... Uh-oh, where did it go? Verse 23... 
Since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. What is he talking about? That they will support him in his ministry. This church that he has been brazen enough to write boldly to, even though he's never met them or seen them. He's saying, I hope that I'm going to stop by and finally see you, and then I will be helped by you as I continue on my way through on the way to Spain. And then he gives them this for instance. For instance, I'm currently doing ministry here and they've heard about the need in Jerusalem and in fact they owe it to them. And so I'm bringing the need from these other Gentiles back to the church at Jerusalem because the church at Jerusalem sent out so that ministry could be done among those Gentiles. And then I'm going to pass by on my way to Spain to bring the gospel out there and I'm going to stop by and see you so that we might encourage one another. And you know those times when somebody um, says, hey, I'd really like to see you. And you go, hang on now. You'd really like to see We haven't seen each other in years. I haven't seen you since high school. What kind of Amway have you gotten into? <laughs> that suddenly you want to get together. But Paul is not duplicitous in this. He loves them. He does want to encourage them. He does want to help them. He also does want them out of the goodness of their hearts to see the need for the gospel in Spain and help him on his way so that they are participating in the, in the mission and in the ministry. Right? So in the first two sections of, of this uh, chapter, we, we saw Paul's ministry to encourage these new Gentile believers and Paul's ministry to go out and preach the gospel in unreached places. And now we're seeing the, the call to Gentile believers to support the ministry that's already established in the church and those who are in need in the church and now that he's going to go to Spain and, so, and also participate in the furthering of the gospel to new regions. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints. Oops, nope. Verse 28. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Oh, Paul. He's asking for them to, to partner with him. The expectation is in some ways that when he comes through, they will partner with him financially. But for now, would they partner with him in prayer? Would they partner with him in prayer as he uh, fulfills this obligation that he has to go to Jerusalem? Would they partner with him in prayer that he might make his way to them? 
And in the way that he puts it, Strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. I'd encourage you this week to read uh, the book of Acts and to see what this actually looked like for Paul as he makes his way from Macedonia to Jerusalem to bring this gift, and then on his way from Jerusalem to Rome. Because in fact, he does get to Rome. In fact, he is protected from uh, the unbelievers in Judea. And in fact, he does make it safely-ish to Rome. But the way that he is protected in Jerusalem, from the Judean unbelievers, is by going into a rest under Roman authority and being escorted by armed guard from there via a couple of shipwrecks to Rome where he will spend more time, I think, than he intended being encouraged by them while on house arrest in Rome. I don't know that's exactly what he intended when asking them to participate in prayer with him. But their prayers were answered. And what I am seeing here is this call to participate in ministry. To participate in prayer, to participate in giving, to participate in going. And so what I want to ask for you today is what has resonated with you this morning? Is it, is it Paul's encouraging new believers? Is it Paul's wanting to be first guy in and proclaim the gospel to places where it's never been reached? Is it in uh, supporting and enabling uh, those who are in need within the church? Is it to support and help and encourage and pray for the furthering of the gospel and the ministry as it's going out? It's at least one of those. If not four of those. Because this, this is what it means for us to be here right now. This is what it means for us to be stuck in this time when the authority of Jesus has been proclaimed but yet has not yet come to full fruition. This is what it means for us to be the church here. It's to participate and encourage and support one another to provide for needs and to seek for the advancing of the gospel of Jesus to places where it's not accepted yet. So whether that takes place in um, giving to needs in Villabois right now, whether that's um, hosting a Basque student in your home, inviting somebody to an Alpha course, participating in Foster Parents Night Out, giving to one of these ministries, praying for these ministries, uh, praying for the Go Team or supporting uh, people that are uh, our missionaries around the world. But thinking about, okay, if the gospel has come to me so that I now understand that Jesus has removed my sin so that I can be connected with God the Father, 
how can I help for that message to go and encourage others? Whether those others are believers or whether those others are people who have never heard the gospel or somewhere on the spectrum in between. We have stated at New Life Church that it is um, our mission to engage those who are disconnected from God so they may delight in Him through Jesus. What is God calling you to in that right now? May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, to think about the mission that you have begun. That really Jesus has done all of the work and we are merely the messengers of it and working out the implications in our lives of what Jesus has done. Father, we ask, would you give us eyes to see the needs around us? Would you give us compassionate ears to be listening, even in conversations that weren't intended that way, that we might hear of those needs? Would you give us the boldness to speak, not our own words, but yours? Would you give us the generosity to contribute and participate in the needs both of the saints and in the community? And Father, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in this. We resonate with Paul in his saying that he is not doing this under his own strength. And we recognize that, that whether we are participating in the ministry or praying for others' ministries, Father, that it is not going to be in their strength or in ours, but in your strength. That this work will be done in word and deed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray now for that work. That the Holy Spirit would be at work in this place. In our own sanctification. And in the saving work of reaching those around us. And Lord, may we see that and participate in it. So that we might rejoice all the more in what you have done. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.